Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for smart, successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And today I'll be joined by a guest to give you an inside look at the work I do with my clients. This is your opportunity to learn through someone else's experience. They may even ask a question you have or one you haven't even thought of yet. So keep an open mind, open heart, and let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to episode number 246 of the Love Life Connection podcast. I am so excited to be back. And while I recorded a bonus episode for you last week, this is the first official episode I recorded since having my baby. And I have to say, it's so exciting to be back. Feels like a whole new world in more ways than one. And I'm just really ready to dive back in. Uh, One thing is I am going to be scheduling a bunch of coaching episodes. So if you are interested in getting some free coaching with me, then head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast and you can scroll to the bottom and there you can find a link to schedule yourself onto my calendar or you can send me a DM on Instagram. I'm Veronica E. Grant and let me know that you're interested in coming on the show. We don't workshop anything. They are totally unproduced, unscripted conversations so that we can really focus on what's true for you and what's going on in your life. And if you're a little worried about privacy or someone hearing you, um, I totally get it. A lot of the women who come onto the show, you a pseudonym. So if that makes you feel more comfortable, that's totally fine. And of course, I will never mention where you live or your place of work or anything like that. Not that I always even know that information. So if you are interested in getting some free coaching, I will be scheduling those calls and I do them twice a month, which means there are 24 spots for this year. So if you're interested in being one of them, again, veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast, or send me a DM on Instagram, and we will get something on the calendar. 
And speaking of coaching episodes, I've got a really good one for you today. And I'm so appreciative of Nicole's vulnerability and her question, really, because this comes up all the time. And I think you'll definitely relate to it. Um, I do just want to say that this episode does go much longer than normal. So I'm going to keep both the intro and outro pretty short and sweet so that we can get right to it. But if you're one of those women where you start dating someone and all goes well, or all is going well, I should say, and you're a little nervous about, "Mm, I just really want to know for sure if this is the right person or if I should put my eggs in this basket or whatever because you don't want to waste time or you don't want to get heartbroken or you don't want to make a mistake, then you're going to love this episode because I think you probably know logically that that mindset will definitely hold you back in a relationship. However, getting to the root of it and shifting that can be a whole different story. So if you can relate to that, you're definitely going to love this episode. And one more thing before we get to the episode with Nicole, I am also accepting new clients to begin this year. So if you are interested in working with me, we do deep work. And as you can tell with my conversation with Nicole, there's so much I wanted to cover in this conversation, which is part of the reason why it went a little longer than it normally does. But it takes some time to unpack these things. So if you're interested in working with me over a period of four to six months, where we can really do a deep dive into your life and your love life so that you can you know, stop whatever pattern that you're in and really begin to to shift the way you approach your love life, shift who you attract into your life, shift how you are a partner to yourself and to the people and to the romantic people in your life, then I would love to support you. So head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching and fill out a short form there. And then from there, it'll forward you to my calendar so that we can schedule a call and have a short chat about whether or not working together is the next right step for you. Uh, These calls, I don't like do a hard sale. I don't like obligate you to sign on if you you know, do one of these calls. It's really just an exploratory call so we can explore if working together is the next right step for you and also to make sure that you would be a good fit for the kind of client that I'm able to support. So again, veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching if you're interested. And I you know, have a baby and it's also COVID. <laughs> so uh, my time is pretty limited because right now I'm really only able to take on clients when Stevie is is not at work, uh, which greatly limits the slots that I have. So if you are interested, make sure you reach out to me sooner rather than later. You know, otherwise you might just have to wait a little bit longer than you really want to. And one more thing, I know I keep saying that, but I swear this is the last thing is speaking of babies, my baby is crying while I am recording some of this episode. So you might hear him. Uh, My apologies. I am not leaving my baby just to cry. Uh, My husband is trying to deal with it. We right now are working through a situation where my baby got so good at breastfeeding, he won't take pumped milk from a bottle. So we are working on that. And that was the crying that you were hearing. Uh, So we are taking sweet care of our baby. But you know, such is life right now. If you have any tips, if you've had a baby or have had a sister or a friend who's had a baby who had this and you uh, know how they fix this problem, please let me know. Because <laughs> uh, it's gonna be really important as I get back into work more and more over the next few months. All right, without further ado, let's get to my episode with Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the show. How can I help? Hiya. So I've been listening to your podcasts for quite a while. And I just thought I could use some advice. I have started dating someone in July, started seeing them and dating them from then. So about five months. And I am nearly 26 years old. And I've always dated quite seriously. 
and I don't want to waste any time. So I want to make sure that I'm, you know, going in and making the right decisions. And I know that I can overthink quite a bit and be a perfectionist. And I have a few concerns and I'm torn between what's compromising and what's changing and, you know, whether to follow my head or my heart, because they're both saying different things. And it's really exciting with this person. And I feel like I've I feel so happy with this person, like happier than I've ever felt with anyone else, but I still have these niggles and they, they do worry me. What was that word you said? Is that a British thing? Niggles? Uh, Yes. (laughs) A few concerns. (laughs) Okay. I I mean, I I got that from context, but I was like, I never, I've had a lot of British clients. Okay. Um, So I assume your heart is the part of you that's saying, this is great. I'm so happy. Yeah. This might be love or is love. What is your head saying? My head is saying, you know, are our lifestyles compatible? You know, do we have the same sort of goals and outlook? Are hobbies and interests the same? Right now, it's wonderful and we get on so well. But I do think with logic and I'm thinking, okay, put, and, I, and I can do that and I can put my emotions aside and I can think with my head and I can say, okay, well, what will married life be like in 10 years when the honeymoon period's gone? Are we going to be at each other's necks because, you know, because of this and because of that. And it really concerns me. And I take dating and marriage quite seriously in terms of just to give you an idea of my background. I, I have chosen not to live with anyone until I'm married mm-hmm. or to get involved, you know, with, you know, things on that side, you know, intimately. So I'm holding off on that until I'm married, which has its blessings and its curses because it's, lovely but I feel like it's also harder to determine sometimes whether living together you'll be compatible so I've got to make a decision on what I see rather than what I experience with living with him and I do feel I've dated two guys no one guy before my current boyfriend Jack seriously um, and I dated him for two and a half years and I feel like I wasn't in love with him but he provided me such a wonderful life and was so lovely and so caring and you know, looking out for me, but I just missed that spark. And then with this Jack, I've got this amazing, amazing spark with him and we can laugh for hours and we get on so well. And I feel like a kid again and it's wonderful. And then I think I get worried that he's quite stubborn and because he's lived alone for quite a long time that, you know, how are we going to work in the real life? And as I said earlier, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and it just worries me of making the right decision. Okay. So there's a lot of things here and we'll get to what we can. So tell me, tell me this. So I think that there's definitely validity and that, yeah, it's important to have certain conversations with potential partners around. I mean, I would argue that like having similar hobbies and interests, like maybe a couple are nice to have, but like, I would be interested in like lifestyle and, and values and all that kind of stuff. So certainly like it might be wise to have a conversation and just set some clear expectations and boundaries, but I don't think that's really what the problem is. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you've, you've said a couple of times already that you're a perfectionist. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can also sense that and that you don't want to mess up. Um, you also said that he reminds you or you feel like a kid again. So you've been listening to my podcast for a while. What do you think my next question might be? Oh, no. <laughs> don't ask me this. I don't know and when I do say he does make me feel like a kid I mean 
I mean it in a balanced way as well, because I can see a future with him. The idea of marriage doesn't scare me. I can picture it. Whereas with my ex, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. The thought of a wedding gave me knots in my tummy. Here I'm like, oh, yeah, and we'll go here and we can do this for our honeymoon and we can live here. And he just gives me those butterflies that I feel like you don't get when you're an adult. So in terms well, of being you like, can get them as an adult. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Tell me, tell me, okay. That was not the question I was going to ask. I know. I'm and saying- you know that, and you know what my question is going to be, because otherwise you wouldn't be like giggling right now and giving me this. <laughs> right? So I'm also just going to go out on a limb and say that your perfectionism is really about not trusting yourself. I agree with that. You're not even trusting yourself that you know what my next question is going to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's like, we're like, what's, we're like very meta right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what, what would my question be? Or what um, would my questioning be? I think you might ask, do you feel like you like this relationship because it makes you feel maybe like a kid and it's escaping that responsibility and that, you know, that serious type of relationship? Maybe. Do you feel like that's what this relationship does for you? No, I don't, if I'm honest. Okay. Okay. So tell me, tell me this, tell me where the perfectionism comes from. Cause you weren't born a perfectionist. That was a learned behavior from somewhere. It was. And I definitely do struggle with, you know, everything being perfect. And I would say I've got that obsessive side of me. Definitely. I've had it since I was 11 years old. Very, very, you know, obsessive with things and things had to be right. And, you know, I'd rather procrastinate and get something wrong. That has been me since I was little and it's got more and more ingrained. And then I see a decision such as, you know, with a job, I can get out of it. With marriage, you know, I come from a religious background. It's a bit, it's so much more of a serious choice for me. And it's something that we choose to stay with our partner and whether you've got, you go through the good or the bad and that also terrifies me because I'm thinking, what if it turns bad? I know that every marriage has its ups and downs. And I think where I would feel safe is the less problems you'd have in a relationship. I'm thinking, okay, well then the less I'd have in a marriage, because of course I feel personally that you're always going to have problems being with someone in a marriage, like conflict. And I feel like if you're having a lot, when you're going out, think how much more larger they're going to become when bigger things come along. So it scares me so much. And that's why I'm so petrified of making the wrong decision. Mm, okay. Okay. Again, a few things here, but I just want to say one thing, and this is, this is my own belief and, and the direction in which I approach my life and also, yeah, you know, coaching. I do agree that choosing to marry someone is a more serious and consequential decision than like a job. Cause yeah, you can quit a job. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's like, logistics involved and sometimes it can be tricky and sometimes you have to find a new job before you can quit the old one. Like I get it. Like it's not just like yeah. snap of the fingers, but you know, if a marriage is bad, you can get out of it too. Yeah. I've just never viewed that as an option, I guess. So you said that since you were 11 years old, did you mean to say that specific number? Did something happen when you were 11? Years um, when I was 11, I developed hand washing OCD and I believe, you know, I'm, I am quite an anxious person. And I think when I couldn't, I do think, you know, it does happen with younger kids. But I think because I didn't, you know, nip it in its bud, it's followed through my life. So it morphed um, and the hand washing eventually stopped after a year. 
that it changed into different things like superstitions and something bad would be happening maybe to a family member. So it's been since then that I've had this sort of mindset of it has to feel right. You know, is it perfect? Is it right? Um, and where, where did that all come from? I definitely got bullied when I was at school. Okay. And I think I didn't know maybe how to deal with it. And the only thing I had control over was, you know, that was my way of controlling it. And so, you know, if I do a ritual or something, then it soothes my anxiety because it gives me control, even though logically I know that a ritual can't stop something from happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was your relationship like with your parents? How did they play? Good. I've always had a really good relationship with my mom and dad. I still would live with them now. I would like to move out. I do rely on them, I would say, quite quite a lot. And I would, it's hard because I would say I'm also an independent person in my thinking. But I, at the same time, seek validation. And I've noticed that and I have actively been trying to change that trait in me because I'm the youngest of a few kids. I've always looked up to my older brothers and sisters. And if they all approve, then I've definitely made the right decision. Mm-hmm. And if they don't approve, I have done something. I'm like, oh no, I doubt this. So seeing that they like someone that I'm with makes me feel overjoyed. I'm like, I've done something right. I've made the right decision. If they all turn around and said, no, no, this isn't right. You know, I think I've got that stubbornness in me to keep something going, but that would definitely be in the back of my mind and it would eventually lead to something I I think. Okay. Okay. So it seems like you've put your parents or at least their opinions on a pedestal. Yeah, I would say I definitely look up to them and I I really yeah, I really do. Yeah. And it seems like you've also put marriage on a pedestal. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I think I saw my sisters get married at a young age, um, which tends to happen more so in religious groups. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yep, I'll be married at 19. And then I got to that age and I thought, no, I'm a kid. I can't even look after myself. I then got to my other sister's age that got married at 22. And I thought, I'm still a kid and I'm nearly, I'll be turning 26 soon. And I thought, okay, now I'm starting to feel like a bit more, you know what? I'm ready for this relationship. I'm ready for it leading to marriage. And before I always thought, like my sisters, I would move out of home and go straight to being a wife. And last year, I felt like a bit of a failure after I ended it with my ex because I thought, what if I don't meet anyone? I'm not going to be married till I'm 30 or something like that. That means that I can't move out of home. But I taught myself and in saying it to myself, focus on my life. Don't rely on someone to start living my life. So I've now got my own goal in my head of what age I'd want to move out of home by. And if someone came along, that's amazing. And then this summer, this guy Jack comes along (laughs) and we click so well. And everyone around us is like, oh my goodness, you get on so well. Like your chemistry is amazing. And I have, honestly, I really enjoy my time and I've never been with someone before where I enjoy their company so much. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to go back to 11-year-old Nicole for a moment. Okay. If there was something you want her you would want her to know or wish she had been told at the time, what would you what would you want that to be? What would you want to say to her? What would I want to say to her? Don't be so scared. Mm-hmm. And how do you think she would respond? Sorry. You have to apologize. What's the emotion coming up? What's behind it? Um, 
I think I look back and I wish I'd changed my trail of thoughts with my obsessive thoughts. And I feel like that's really held me back in life. Mm. Um, I wish I didn't hide it for so long. And I wish I wasn't scared or embarrassed and asked for help. Because I feel like living with that OCD has definitely changed how my mind, how I deal with things. Mm-hmm. And it's made me, you know, quite scared. And I need this control to stop things from going bad. So, yeah. I think I would just like to be more brave to shout down any internal thoughts that were scaring me because it is that bully. I know this is like a separate issue, but I feel like it all sort of links together with why I can't make decisions. I'm such an indecisive person and I'm scared of taking risks and well, risks that impact me long term. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me sad. I feel like I would have accomplished a lot more. So I look back with, regret but at the same time I try and not focus on that I try and look at the positive and think it's going to make you a more compassionate person because I've experienced things and feelings that not everyone has yeah well you're asking for help now <laughs> yes and it's not just your almost 26 year old self asking for help it's really your 11 year old self yeah <laughs> right right and I encourage you to continue asking for help, whether it's in a professional setting, with a coach, therapist, or um, a trusted friend. I would advise you not to go to your parents, um, just so that you can begin to break that yeah. pattern. And it's it's taken me up till the beginning of last year, January 2019. So I was 24 going on 25. And I opened up to my friends and told them that I'd been struggling with OCD for 15 years, to which most of them cried <laughs> because I've been going through something alone. Yeah. And I'm so glad. And all I can say is that, I know this is for relationship advice, but if anyone had OCD that heard this, just being able to talk freely about it is such a weight lifted off my shoulders. Totally. Totally. I can't personally speak for um, OCD, but I can for anxiety. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I would imagine OCD is similar in the sense of a way to deal with it. Whereas like, it's not necessarily, I mean, it feels like the problem and I get that, but rather than approaching it like the problem and approaching it just as an alarm bell. Yeah. So like when the anxiety is going off, it's like, it's just the messenger, right? It's just the messenger that there's some misalignment somewhere. And I think for you, your misalignment was that you've been outsourcing your power. You outsource your power to your parents. You outsource your power to marriage, to religion, to... Um, My sisters. I feel like I look up to them a lot as well. Yeah, your sisters, whoever. And your work, Nicole, is going to be about bringing the power back to you. Yeah. So a couple things I would do, a few things. I always like to look at things on the spiritual, emotional, mental, physical levels. On the spiritual, emotional level, I think what a really nice thing for you to do, and this might be too woo, and if it is, you can just be like, Veronica, give me the next thing. But what I think could be really powerful is, you know, every morning or every evening, just sit in meditation for like whatever feels good and doable for you. And just imagine who has your power, like who have you outsourced your power to, and just imagine you're calling it back. 
you can imagine it like your power is like this gold light and like your sister has it and you're just calling it back and you can just see that gold light or it can be like a purple bubble. It can be whatever you want it to be. It can, it can be nothing. You may not need a visual. I usually need a visual to do these kind of things, but just imagine. Quite like diamonds. So I'm going to yeah, picture a diamond. diamond. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So you're just calling your energy back. And it's just something that you do on a daily basis. It doesn't have to be a long time. You can even do it like, oh, well, I guess there's not too much commuting right now, but like you go on a walk. <laughs> I know you guys are pretty shut down right now. So I don't know if you're allowed to go on a we walk. We are. And I, <laughs> I lost my job as well, which doesn't help because it gives me more time to think. <laughs> so yes, but going for walks, I think is, is a good time to meditate. And I do try and, you know, make myself go for a daily walk around the lake and, you know, think about things. The next thing I would do is I would, I would begin some inner child work. So we don't have time to like go deep into it now, but you can listen to some of my old episodes. You can check out crappy to happy. But what I would do is I would um, connect to that 11 year old girl because she's the one who's playing this all out. Okay. Yeah. She's the one who's in this relationship with this man right now and is the one like, I don't know if I just like let go and have fun then, you know, I don't have control. Right. And so that's, that's the yeah. resistance. That's the real resistance. Cause the truth is, is that like, if you let yourself totally into this relationship, I don't know if it's going to work out. I really, yeah. I don't know tell her. And, and the truth is, is you won't know a hundred percent for sure either. You just won't. That's just life. Yeah. You know what I mean, but I definitely have an intolerance of uncertainty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of people do and that's normal. Right. But there's an unhealthy, there's a healthy like sense of like, Ooh, this feels a little scary right now, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Anyways. And then there's a part of it that can hold you back and that's where you are. And that's where you, you know, don't want to be. And so your inner child has to begin to feel safe that it's okay to not know the answers. Um, my guess is that, you know, you told me you grew up in a religious household. My guess is that your parents also uh, maybe sheltered you a little bit or maybe overprotective some, something. I don't know exactly what or just made decisions for you or just made life really easy for you, you know, emotionally. And there were occasions I agree where, you know, I think because I was the youngest, they were a lot more lenient than they were with the first. I think that happens naturally. Mm -hmm. So I was definitely way more independent than the first one. I, you know, I had a stubborn streak and I'm not going to lie. I had quite an argumentative streak as well. We're quite a loud bubbly household and we'll all really express our emotions and, you know, I wasn't timid in that way to fight back when I had my opinion, Mm -hmm. but there was definitely things that were, when I was younger, it was overridden by my parents. And I think I still have that to a degree, I wouldn't say detrimental, but to a degree now because I'm under their roof. And I think it would be so beneficial for me to look at moving out, even though I love them dearly and think they're honestly some of the best parents out there mm-hmm. just to become my own person yeah totally and your parents did everything they did out of love right yeah oh I totally see that like honestly I couldn't ask for better parents like yeah. I just think it's in terms of becoming finding me yeah yeah the bird has to fly from the nest right and so yeah. I would definitely set a goal to move out I mean I know things are a little crazy I know you just lost your job but I think that moving out I just think it'll be hard to completely break this pattern while living under their roof. Not to use that as an excuse to be like, oh, okay, well, I'll just deal with this, you know, when I move out. <laughs> yeah. like, 
you can, there's still a lot of healing and shifting that you can do while living in their house. But I think that it'll be hard to fully move on from it while you're, cause it's just, it's just going to reinforce the pattern, like literally every time yeah. you walk outside your bedroom. So as much as you can creating, you know, some boundaries, maybe not going to them with as many problems or questions or whatever, and practicing working through some of those things on your own, like whatever it is. Um, I mean, you know, your life better than I do. I would just do that as much as you can until you are yeah. able to physically, you know, be out on your own, um, you know, whenever that might be, even just having a goal, like you said earlier, I think that alone can create some separation because you're like on this. Definitely. I feel like it's made me feel like it doesn't matter if I'm married or not. Like I remember writing to myself over lockdown when we were in, no, we were in lockdown and everything had just happened. And I started to feel, I was so happy when I was first single for a year. I was like, I feel so free. I can go anywhere I want. I can travel. I can meet who I want. And then I realized I was in lockdown and I thought, hey, like I'm just getting older. And what if I don't meet anyone and I can't move out? And that's when I started to feel a bit like a failure. And then I consciously changed my my thought pattern to, no, set a goal and live for yourself. And I wrote to myself and I said, I will never, ever, ever settle because I felt like even though my ex was amazing, I felt like I'd have been settling in terms of my feelings of that lust and love for him. And I said that to myself and I wrote it down so that it was in writing and I promised myself. So here, like I know I'm not doubting that side of things. It's more the, could this actually work? Like think with your head. Yeah. Okay. So then in terms of, you know, we talked about spiritual, emotional, and then in terms of the mental that you're right, that's really the stories that you tell yourself. So I just want you to take note of the stories you tell yourself like, Oh, like I was supposed to be married by 19 or, Oh, my sisters got married so young or, Oh, you know, because I didn't deal with my OCD, I lost so many years and I could have been doing so much more stuff by now, whatever it is. Like, yeah. To just keep track of all of these beliefs and create different stories about them. And maybe it's something that you read every day, keep it on notes up on your phone. So it's like super accessible, but I don't want you to just like write the opposite of, so let's say like a belief you have is like, I'm too old. I mean, that's very generic. The opposite yeah. <laughs> of that would be like, I'm not old or I'm young. And even though I think that's pretty true. Like in your twenties, a lot of people listening, yeah. are like, you're so young. Yeah, uh, I know. But like, <laughs> if you don't believe that, then like, it doesn't matter. Even if it's like a factually true statement, right? So like a way you would shift the belief, like, again, like if you believe like, oh, I've lost my chance or I'm too old, then, you know, a belief that you can shift that to or a story you can shift that to is, you know, I have 70 more years to live my yeah. life, you know, to be in relationship, yeah. to focus on my career or reach other goals or whatever it is. And that's like true, right? And that's a belief you can get behind. It's not necessarily the opposite what the story is you're telling yourself now, because that just makes it more believable and, you know, can actually help shift some thoughts. And then, you know, it, going back to the original question that you asked with this relationship, again, I don't know, you know, where this relationship's going to go, neither do you you know, only God, universe, goddess, you know, <laughs> greater being only, only they know. Right. And maybe they don't even know who knows. But my point is, is that I definitely recommend having a conversation with your partner just to get on, to see if you're on the same page with some things that I think are important in a relationship. But beyond that, I want you to start getting more comfortable with the unknown. 
And I think the best way to do that is not necessarily do that in a partnership because that can feel really, really scary. But I want you to just write out some of the things that you try to control every day. Mm -hmm. So maybe you try to control, I I have no idea. You know what you try to control. Obviously your relationship is a big one, but I want you to just start with some of the easy things Mm. that you can release control of. Like maybe like for me, like I like to eat what I want to eat. Like I don't want, you know, like if my my husband does most of the cooking in our house and sometimes he wants to like try like new recipes and I'm like, no, you're just going <laughs> to, I know that I like, you know what I mean? Like I'm that kind of person, but like maybe I can like release control and like try something new and different and it can be fine and it can actually be really good. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's a silly example, but I actually want you to start with things that seem trivial and silly because that just builds that muscle of being able to live in the discomfort. And then you just add on from there to things that feel more and more scary, getting, working up to this relationship and not having, mm. you know, certainty. Do you consider yourself a religious person? I do. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Great. So this is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect because, you know, this, one thing that I like to do, I'm giving you all these things. So if this feels overwhelming or confusing, you can break it down. Let me know. But another thing that I really like to do is I like to write a to-do list. And mm-hmm. um, my to-do list, I just draw a line down the middle and let's say I'm writing a to-do list and it's like, oh, I, um, you know, I need to get four more clients in my business or something like that, whatever. Okay. So on my to-do list, I might write, send a follow-up email to so-and-so, send an email to my list, um, write back that person on Instagram that expressed interest a couple of weeks ago, you know? So I might do that. And then I'll have the universe to-do list. Like, I don't actually have control over whether or not I get those four clients. I can just control that I write the email or send the follow-up or whatever, right? The universe controls whether or not that person writes back, controls whether or not that person wants to be a client or whatever. So you might write a to-do list of like, okay, I need to have a conversation with Jack about da-da-da-da-da, or I need to apply to this job, or I need to whatever. But you don't actually have control over what happens, but God does or the universe does or whatever you want to source, you know, spiritual power to. And so then on your, you know, God's to-do list, you write, you know, what you want, you know, the thing that's out of your control to happen. So you want Mm. the same page with your partner. You want it to last. You want it to, you know, work out or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And so really use your spiritual and religious practice to give over power, surrender power to what you really just don't have control over. Mm. No, if this is a much easier thing to do when you're already religious. You yeah. I mean? Yeah. I get that. I think I love writing out anyway. <laughs> I find it quite. Are you a Capricorn? I'm Aquarius. Okay. Cause you were saying some things to me and you said your brother's in January. I was like, she's Capricorn. <laughs> oh, February, February. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh okay. Um, so I mean, with this guy, Jack, it's, you know, it's, there's so much goodness and obviously as we've discovered I like things I like to have no doubt doubt scares me doubt freaks me out doubt makes me want to back out mm-hmm. and we have a common argument and a recurring argument about PlayStation mm-hmm. and it has really been bringing me down because I'm like Am I going to lose out on someone that I really get on with because of something so trivial or do I have a point? And I, I get lost in that. And 
and it's so back and forth in my mind and I'll have these emotions and they're they're roller coasters of feeling on cloud nine for you know three four weeks and then mm-hmm. we'll have you know a disagreement and it will really bring me down I think hey are we compatible well that's going to be the part that where I think you put the relationship on the pedestal yeah because you don't have to like everything that your partner does but you have to accept it yeah so for example my husband's really into football and I'm like God, you're gonna waste all of our Sundays watching. He is too. Like you reading or um, so I don't love that he watches football every Sunday. At least the Eagles or whatever. I mean, yeah. sorry for the Eagles. I know you're not Eagles, <laughs> listening, but I can accept it. You know, it's it's he grew up watching. He's from the Philadelphia area. Like it's just gonna be a part of him and his life, and that's cool. Like I accept it. Mm-hmm. And so, I think in terms of a relationship on that front, I think that's a really good way to look at it. I also, I'll just quickly say this. I don't believe in compromise. I believe in everybody wins. So how can you find a solution that they want? Because if you compromise, then like really one or both parties ultimately aren't getting what they want. And I would love that. And that sounds like a dream, but I just don't know in this situation with this particular disagreement, how we would both win. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that might be all the information that you need. You need. I think in some situations you can compromise. And here's when, like, like for example, when Stevie and I are, when we were planning our wedding or when we were, um, you know, even making like child rearing decisions now. And then also Mm -hmm. even when we were decorating and remodeling our house, the wedding was a really good example because we've already gone through the completion of that. But like, yeah. (laughs) there would be some things where he would really, really care about and I wouldn't really care about that much. So if he cared more about something than I did, then whatever he wanted is what we got. And then it was vice versa. like, if I really cared about something and he was like, Meh, I can go either way, then I got whatever I wanted and for that decision. And I think that's great because you can work together on that. And I think where it's hard is when I have such a strong emotion about something, about something that he loves. And it's like, how do we navigate that is it that he plays playstation too much yeah i i've had an issue with it and i don't want to you know i'm gonna be honest he it doesn't get in the way of his work it doesn't get in the way of him seeing me it's just something that i've grown up without and i've always had quite a negative view of and you know i'll hold my hands up and say at the beginning i made some sweeping statements that i do take back I know, and I've said to him, I don't want to be controlling. So if I am being controlling, please tell me. Like, I don't want to be that person. I want someone to be happy with me and I want to be happy with them. And I said, you know, when I said, I wouldn't want it in my house. When I get married, I don't want a PlayStation in my house. And he said to me, that's a dictatorship. And I had to go away and think about it for a bit of time. And then I thought, you know what? That's how I've grown up with something. A lot of people do have this it's in its place. Okay. Like, so I was like, I need to correct my thinking on that. So Mm. I have gone back to him and said, you know, I'm sorry. And then the next thing was, I wouldn't want my kids to play it. I don't want my kids to, you know, I I want them to be reading books and going outside and getting real exercise and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. doing, interacting with real people. And he said, so you wouldn't let our son have that, that me and my son, if we did have one, have that bonding time together. And then I thought, okay, so long as it's in its place, 
but I don't want to lose who I am in the process. And there's a few particular games that he doesn't play addictively, but I'd say he plays about an hour a day in his, it's or maybe two, three hours, but it's always in his spare time. Things are sacrificed for it. And those games are more of a, of a violent nature, even though they're still quite juvenile and they're cartoonized, if that's a word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they still really bother me. And we've come to this sort of like loggerhead where it's like, well, I love playing this game. And I'm saying, okay, but I'm saying I would have a console. I'm happy for you to have one. I would like one in the house, you know, for us to do things over house party and play games with our friends over there, you know, if we're in a lockdown. But there's certain games that I don't like. And especially when it's a daily occurrence, it really gets under my skin. And then I feel like that makes me unhappy and then in turn makes him unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. So again, I would revert back to, can you find a solution to where everyone can win? Also, like, is this like the only conversation or thing that needs to be worked out before you potentially like move to the next step? Like, because, you know, otherwise you might be like talking about this thing that's like a conversation that needs to be on step eight when you're really like on step two. Because I think that to me, like this feels like a pretty workable thing if both parties are invested, but like you might find out some other things or you might learn about each other in, in other ways where like there might already be some incompatibility, but you like wasting a lot of time and energy talking about this one thing. You know yeah. I mean? And so like I would um, maybe take a step back and just ask some of the other questions of, is this compatible? Where is this going? You know, the kind of yeah. what, basically where you started, you know, this question with. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I think it's just, and I think that's, when I take a step back, which is what I did, I personally, I mean, everyone has their own beliefs of what works for them. I've always said, you know, breaks. I don't see that as a, as a good thing. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong. I'm, I might not be, I don't know. Um, each to their own, but I've, I've always sort of stood by that. And when I say a break, I mean like a long-term thing where it's like, we're not together, but we can't, and it's that gray area. So I wouldn't do that. But about a month ago, we had an argument again over the PlayStation and I said, I just need a breather. I need a few days out. So we ended up having a week of just sending one text a day. Hope you're okay. And I was listening to so many of your podcasts and I was, you know, really trying to, I was doing my walks and I was writing down my feelings. And that's when I realized, okay, do I think with my head or do I think with my heart? Because my heart is in this and my head is saying, hey, when you're married in five years time and you know, obviously now it's all hunky-dory because I'm not living with him, but then I'm married and I see him playing and it, it, you know, makes me angry. And, you know, all these other, of course, that's not the only issue. There's going to be so many more. And is it just going to keep getting on top of me? And are we going to have this, this relationship? That's 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 where you've got to, that's where you've got to basically just do what I did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta, you gotta stop that. I'm not like naive or like, whatever enough to think that like love conquers all you know what I mean like I mean yeah. it, maybe it does but like I also I'm way too like an earthy grounded person for that I'm like no we got to talk about some of the practical stuff like what's yeah or I'm just kidding although I didn't no. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is is that all of these concerns are super valid however this is where you really have to do some of that because like I just think there's still some inner child stuff playing out here. Like this is not just about the PlayStation. And I would say this is probably not about the PlayStation at all. Um, I think that, I mean, that's not totally true. I could see how it could be frustrating having, you know, a partner really into video games. However, I do think that 
it's playing a role here because you don't know where to land. You don't know where to land as to whether or not this is a deal breaker. And I can't tell you that. Only you can tell you that. But it's going to be really, really hard for you to figure out if it's truly a deal breaker. If A, you spiral every time you think about it, right? And so that's where inner child comes in. And and you really have to help her learn to trust herself because she never she never did. The only sense of control she got when she was 11 years old was washing her hands and then it transferred to other places. And now you're doing that to your relationships. And on top of that, yeah. I also think you have marriage on a pedestal. And the thing about putting anyone or anything on a pedestal is that they can fall down, right? Yeah. And so like, you know, your parents you know, they're wonderful parents, it sounds like, right? From what you've told me, but they're not perfect, right? And so when you put them on a pedestal and then like you see their imperfections or you they make a big mistake, like then they fall from the, the pedestal and then it makes whatever mistake they made like so much more blown out of proportion. And mm. you can do the same thing to marriage. Like marriage is like this perfect, like relationship. Idyllic life. And the thing yeah. that you want to be. And like, once you're married, then like you have your life figured out and like a man is a plan and like, you can just put all of that on your pedestal. Right. And then you see this guy who's playing PlayStation may or may not be too much or whatever, but it's making marriage fall. It, falls, it crashes out. Like, yeah. and I can feel, and it scares me because I look at a picture and I'm like, when it's good, I'm like, I'm so like invested and happy. And then we have an argument at the PlayStation. I can feel the effect on me. And it, right, I'm and sorry if I sound crazy. That's why I have to get off the pedestal. And I'm not saying yeah. that doesn't mean the PlayStation thing is a legitimate problem or something to be worked through. But I I'm saying that like, whatever the problem is, it's just becoming 10 times worse because you're putting on, in the good times, you're putting the marriage or the idea of a marriage and the relationship on a pedestal. Yeah. How, you how do I not put something on a pedestal? I've got that question because that makes so much sense to me, but I'm like, how yeah. do I put that? How do I do that? So again, always comes back to inner child work. Part of putting things on a pedestal is part of control because you're like, that okay. thing's on a pedestal. And if I can get there, all will be well. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, see that. And, and, so, and so if you can work with your inner child to learn to trust herself and yeah. trust the path and you know, whatever happens, I, I don't like to say like, whatever happens, happens for a reason, but like whatever happens is for you, not to you. Right. And so you're able to live from that perspective, meaning like you don't need to control the outcome of everything. Then naturally marriage just becomes onto your own, like the ground, the level that you're on, because yeah. it's not like, it just doesn't, it can't exist when like, you're okay, more okay with the unknown. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Great. Are you it feeling? Does. Yeah, I, I like. I I feel good when I talk about it, and you know, I open up to my friends quite a lot, and it really helps me because you know I think talking is the best medicine, and I think as well the realization of this inner child issue. I, you know, I have actually got myself on a waiting list to get that sorted out but I think it's realizing that maybe that is still affecting me now and that I have to work on things myself it's not just about changing someone to be the perfect person for me because I've always had this idea with my ex-partner you know I said he was this lovely perfect guy that could not do enough for me 
and all of my friends are saying, why, why are you not happy? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and yeah. you know, that made me feel so like there's something wrong with me. Why can I, why, am, why is this not right? So yeah, I think it's just working on me rather than trying to find the perfect person because I feel like sometimes I make it too hard. I'm like, I want them to be like this, this and this. But then I see someone that acts like a puppy and then I'm like, oh no, I wouldn't have respect for for a guy that's like too much, too much like, a, oh, I'll do anything for you. But then I see someone that stands their ground and I think, oh no, that's verging on disrespectful. I think I can see and it annoys me with my own mind. I can see how I can be so flippant with that view. And it's like, how can, how can any guy win with yeah. a yeah. brain like that? Yeah, you nailed it. The work that you have to do to get the answers you need for this relationship. I always say the coaching I do with clients, it's all about the dating, but it's also nothing about the dating. About <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, good job. Thank you so much for... No worries. Thank oh. you so much for having me on your show. <laughs> yes. I hope this was helpful. Talk soon. It definitely was. Thank you. I want to pause this episode and tell you, if this coaching call feels like something you need to have in your life, I want you to consider working with me one-on-one. Right now, I'm filling spots to begin working with me in early 2021. I believe deep work equals deep love, and that's exactly what I do with my clients. I don't bother with the do this, do that. I'm not here to make you a better dater. I'm here to help you find a deep love. I meet you right where you are, hold your hand, and hold you accountable throughout the process. It doesn't matter if you've done this kind of work for years and still haven't figured it out, or if this is your first rodeo at the coaching personal development thing. All that matters is you're done with where you are now, you want to get serious about finding love in the next 12 months, and you're ready to invest the time and money into radically changing your life. If that's you, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching to submit an interest form and be added to my waitlist. And then I'll be in touch with you soon. Good? All right, let's get back to the episode. Thank you so much, Nicole, for coming onto the show. And by the way, if you want to be on the show and get some free coaching with me, then head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast or send me a DM on Instagram. And if you're feeling a little bit weird about coming onto the show or nervous, not to worry, most women are. But as soon as we start recording and getting into it, I promise you will probably forget that we're recording and you'll get tons of insight and access steps into whatever is going on in your life. So again, veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast or send me a DM on Instagram. And I'm Veronica E. Grant. Don't know if I said that before. All right. Like I said in the intro, this was a fairly long coaching call, so I'm not going to dive too deep into it right now. I also explained a lot of things to Nicole in this episode, so I don't think I need to do that again here. I just want to reiterate some concrete takeaways that you can start applying to your life right now. So first, I know I sound like a broken record, but you've got to do the inner child work. If you haven't done it yet, make it your 2021 resolution. I don't care but you've got to do it. I think that it's really clear, particularly in this episode, on how much of Nicole's question to her confusion over the relationship and if it's the real deal or not, or whether or not the PlayStation thing is going to be an issue for her moving forward. I think it's really, really clear as an outsider looking in that this is so much of her inner child playing a role. She's unable to make a decision and she has this habit of outsourcing her power to someone or something else. 
else. And she's doing that here. And I think that's really what the PlayStation thing is really about. Maybe it really is about the PlayStation. I know things like PlayStations and computer games can definitely get in the way of a relationship for sure. But in this case, it almost sounds like she's looking for something concrete outside of her to make her decide, yes, this relationship can work or no, this relationship cannot work. So do the inner child work. If you're interested in coaching with me, veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. You can also check out my inner child course, Crappy to Happy veronicagrant.com forward slash crappy to happy. Or if you know someone else who does inner child work, that's awesome too. Just do it because your life and your relationships, specifically your romantic relationships will transform. And number two, I need you to remember that there are no guarantees in relationships. You can't control everything, which is why I love these to-do lists that I told Nicole to do. And I highly recommend you do it too. So you write your to-do list, but you have a column. So a line going down the center, you have two columns and the left side of the to-do list are the things that you actually can physically do, you have complete control over. And the right side of the to-do list are things that are really out of your control. So they're to-do list for God or the universe or whatever your belief system is. I really love doing this, especially when I feel like I just have a lot going on or when I feel like I'm spinning out because I'm trying to control everything. And it really just helps me stay focused and grounded in what I can do. And then whatever happens is what happens. And ultimately, I don't have control. Yes, sometimes things might be disappointing or frustrating because I don't get the ultimate outcome that I want. But I feel a lot better. So maybe you can't control how many people write you back, you can't control how many people ask you on a date, but you can control how many people are you going to swipe right on? How many people are you going to send the first message to? How many people are you going to send a text to, to hang out or whatever, you know, make some goal that you can actually, you know, you have full, complete control over and then whatever happens, it's not on your to-do list. It's on someone else's. So let it go. Number three, I've said this before, inner child work is for everyone. It's not just for people from broken homes, family of divorce or poverty or trauma or anything like that. It's for everyone. As long as you weren't raised by aliens, you were probably raised by humans and those humans were definitely imperfect. And so along the way, you know, life happened, right? And life happened to you as well. And so even if you have a really good relationship with mom and dad, even if your parents have a truly great relationship that you would like to replicate one day in your life, that doesn't mean they're perfect. And actually, they're not perfect. But a lot of times we can put those people or relationships or ideals of relationships on a pedestal. And when you do that, it makes it really, really hard to date in reality, because a relationship can be beautiful, and it can be so full of love and happiness and romance and all of those wonderful things that we want but it's not going to be perfect. And so I think you're going to hurt yourself over and over again. And you're also going to hurt the people or the things that you place on this pedestal over and over again, until you can, you know, lower them down and put them onto level earth. If you want more information about that, I don't know the podcast number, we'll get it in the show notes, but I do have a podcast about how to do inner child work when everything seemed kind of great. So we'll put that in the show notes. If that resonates with you, you'll definitely want to take a listen to that. And then 
second to last, not quite last, but second to last here is I generally don't like compromising in a relationship. And I think a common trope we hear is relationships are all about compromise. And I don't think that's true. You know, when relationships or when two people in a relationship are compromising, that ultimately means no one's getting what they want. And I think over the long haul, then both people become kind of unhappy and maybe even resentful towards each other, if not the relationship. And so I think it's really important to be able to find a solution where everyone wins, right? So with this example of Nicole and her partner always playing PlayStation, can she find a solution where he plays PlayStation certain games certain times of day or during the week? And can he be okay with that? Maybe they can find a solution where everyone wins, or maybe it truly is a deal breaker. There's no right or wrong here. I'm just saying. But if she compromises, quote unquote, and lets him play all the PlayStation and all the games, then she's going to feel frustrated and resentful. And if he just completely stops playing the PlayStation and he really loves some of the games, and maybe it actually really was a way that he bonds with people in his life, then he might end up resenting her and or the relationship. So it just doesn't really work. So I always like to find a way, how can we all win? How can we all get what we want? And if sometimes that solution doesn't exist or can't exist, then that might call it for the relationship. Or the other thing is you might realize, oh, well, I thought this thing was important, but it's actually really not. And that's the second piece of what I was telling Nicole, which is, Sometimes in a relationship, one person cares about something more than the other thing. And if that is true, sometimes we have to check our ego or check the things that we think we wanted or things we think we didn't want and be like, oh, actually, that doesn't really bother me. I'm okay with that. So if you want to do X, Y, Z, or if this thing is really important for you, then, you know, have fun. And finally, I want to leave you with this. There are no guarantees in a relationship. You may open up, you may do all the right things, you may do all the inner child work and the world, and you still might get heartbroken. In fact, there's a good chance you might, because that's what life is. You still might get divorced from your partner one day. You still might get broken up with. You still might have a devastating breakup in whatever way it transpires. I think we fear that a lot because A, we fear the heartbreak, and then B, we fear being a failure. And a relationship ending is not a failure. It's just simply reached an expiration date. If you have milk in the refrigerator and it goes spoiled, does that mean the milk itself was bad or just a past expiration date and it's time to move on to the next carton of milk? It's just time to move on to the next carton of milk. The milk itself wasn't bad. And that's exactly what happens when a relationship ends. Sometimes it was meant to be only for a certain period of time. It ends. Everyone got what they needed from the relationship. That's great. You move on. You grew from it. You became better for it. It was not a failure. And the second thing is whatever heartbreak or frustration or sadness or whatever comes your way, you can handle it. You can. How do I know that? Because you're listening to this podcast. You're doing the work. You know that a bottle of wine and Netflix is not going to solve all of your problems. You're doing this work. You're showing up for yourself every time you tune into this podcast, every time you do really anything for yourself. All right, I'm going to leave you with that. I hope that gives you a little bit of confidence, a little bit of hope moving into 2021. I know 2020 was tough. I know 2021 is going to be a little bit easier, but it might be a tough beginning until things begin to get a little bit more normal with the vaccine, but we certainly have some time. So hang in there. You're doing a really, really good job. You really are. And if you are interested in working with me this year, then make sure you get in contact with me. Um, I have limited time because 
have a baby now and we're not doing childcare until after this whole pandemic thing subsides a bit. So reach out onto me on Instagram, Veronica E. Grant, if you want to connect with me about working together or head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. Follow the steps there to get on my calendar. We can chat and see if it's the right fit for you. All right, my dear. Until then, I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.